Welcome to episode 38 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live in studio from the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, and the man who is even willing to persevere through the pain to mm. bring you podcast content, the one, the only, John Sloat. The pain is real, Matt. The pain is real. Yeah, fighting through. So you're, you're not at 100% today physically. Nope, nope. Uh, uh, hurt my back on Friday, lifting, uh, so so in vigorous exercise. Nice. Uh, I, I, hurt, hurt the back a little bit, and uh, we've been laid up for a few days. But came to work today, you know, trying to, trying to be a trooper. Uh, yeah. Through the pain and yeah. and uh, and survive. Well, I, I know our audience greatly appreciates you persevering through the pain yeah. to provide them with this quality content. So, well, you know, I feel like it's my uh, my duty to the listener to yeah. uh, to persevere through that pain. I mean, this is the thirty eighth consecutive week that we have produced content. We haven't missed a week yet. Not yet. Knock on some wood. <laughs> And we are not going to let some some back injury no. as you're trying to get jacked. No, no, to, uh, interfere not, with that. Not so, going to let that bother us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Twitter at V and S Pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page, various and sundry podcast. And we would love for you to visit. Uh, on the podcast app, the section where you can leave a five-star rating mm-hmm. and would absolutely be tickled to have you leave a glowing review. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to see uh, love to see a five-star rating. Um, we'll even take criticism in the review. Yeah. You know, that's fine, but but yeah. help our al- algorithm, you know, give us a five-star review. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the deep tech uh, Google algorithm. Yeah. Or, or Apple, I guess, in this case. Um, yeah, who knows how that works, but we we would appreciate that if you can if you can uh, do us a solid there. So busy time in sports here, John. Where do you want to start? Well, I think we should start with the NBA playoffs. Okay, I think that might be the thing that wraps up the quickest here. Yeah. So since we last recorded a week ago, there was a pretty significant upset. Both of us had picked the Clippers I know, that was so to sad. go yeah. on uh, to uh, play in the NBA Finals, and they ended up losing in the Western Conference semifinals to the Denver Nuggets. And did you see uh, uh, Paul George, uh, the man with two first names? He came out after the game and said, you know, this wasn't a, this wasn't a title or bust um, for our franchise. Even though we've traded away first-round draft yeah. picks for yeah. the next seven to ten years, you know, um, but not not a not a must win a title uh, sort of situation for them, which was just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that they lost, they they exit the playoffs blowing a three games to one lead to the Denver Nuggets is a, a bit of additional salt in the wound there. Yeah, some resilience by those Nuggets. Yeah, second consecutive round where they were down three games to one and came back to win the series. That's never happened in the NBA playoffs. What do you do with that sort of information? How does that impact how you're feeling about this next series going forward against the Lakers for the Nuggets? Does it make you go the Nuggets are going to persevere maybe a little bit more? They got some toughness to them? Yeah, I I mean, I would think by now that if— they're found if they're in the same situation. If the Lakers go up three one, which they're currently up two zero right now, as we record on Monday, um, 
I would think that it would not be uh, difficult for the Lakers to realize, huh, you know, the previous two teams that had him down 3-1 lost. So we probably shouldn't take our foot off the off the gas. Yeah, we should stomp on them a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is remarkable. They've shown incredible resiliency. And even in the game uh, last night where they went down two games to nothing against the Lakers, they ended up rallying uh, Jokic, uh, their their star center, ended up um, carrying them down the stretch and gave them the lead with like uh, about 20 seconds left in the game. Hmm. And um, Anthony Davis just hit a three with no time left on the clock to win it for the Lakers. I mean, that was a very uh, intense competitive game. Jokic scored their last 12 points for the Nuggets, and I think um, – Anthony Davis scored the last 12 points for the Lakers down the stretch. So a fun battle to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, could you imagine yourself 15 years ago going, yeah, the center for the Lakers hit a three to win the game yeah. on a design play for himself? You know, <laughs> right. um, 10, 15 years ago, we, yeah. we wouldn't be uttering that sentence. No, no, not at all. Not at all. So um, and then the Eastern Conference Finals currently at uh, two games to one where the Heat lead the Celtics. So interesting to, to track that, that series. Yeah. Who saw the heat coming? Kind of kind of steamroll in the East out of nowhere. Yeah. Playing really good basketball. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I wonder how much of their, I mean, they've been playing great. But they really weren't on the radar when it comes to, here's a team that has a great chance of getting out of the East. I mean, most people were thinking Bucks or Raptors, maybe Celtics. Yeah. I didn't see anybody picking the heat to come out of the East. No. And to me, what I wonder is how much of that, what fact, what role does the, there's no home court advantage anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of these teams like Toronto has a, has a great home court advantage, great environment for them. And so, you know, how much were they hurt by that? In the, in the West, you wonder how much does it help the Nuggets coming back three games to one Mm -hmm. where you're not playing any of those games on the road in the hostile environment, you're just playing in a neutral site with no crowd and how much that helps them. Still impressive. I'm not trying to downplay what they've done, but you wonder if that's a factor. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving the Heat playing so well. Uh, Jimmy Butler has been fun to watch. Yeah. Eric Spolstra, I think, has been doing a really good job. And he, got, he took a ton of heat. Pun Nicely intended. Done. Nicely done. Um, when LeBron showed up, right, they were saying fire Spolcher, bring down Pat Riley. But but he seems to be doing a great job with that team. Well, and I think what this has done is it has validated his credentials as a great coach. Because I think a lot of people are like, well, yeah, he won titles, but he had LeBron and he had Bosh and he had D. Wade. Like, you know, roll the ball out, let them play. They can probably sure. come close to winning a title. What are you really doing, coach? But here he is with a team with one sort of not elite level superstar, but like next tier down probably in Jimmy Butler, wouldn't you say? Like, yeah. He's not a top five or ten player in the NBA. No, no. Maybe but, after the season we, we yeah. can have another conversation. I don't but, know. Yeah. But anyway, so props to him. Uh, weekend uh, number two of the NFL is back. And what yeah. do we learn, John? Yeah, Jets are bad. Jets are real bad. They're worse than we feared. Yeah. Yeah. Th- <laughs> things are real bad. Um, I think it was worse uh, that the owner came out and had a press conference that he supports the head coach calling him an offensive genius. That's never a good sign. Um, which it, it feels like a, a, 
thou dost protest too much, you yeah. know, so, sort of moment. Um, yeah. Which feels like the writing might be on the wall for Adam Gase. I mean, he's, he's not a very inspiring leader to the fans. I imagine it's the same to the players. Um, and they haven't been able to find anybody for Sam Darnold to throw to. I mean, kind of, Twitter seems to be on the, this isn't Sam Darnold's fault. This isn't Joe Douglas's fault. Mm-hmm. This is Adam Gase's fault. Right. Um, and I think I tend to agree. Um, I'd love to see Sam Darnold with a, with a real coach. But it also, it also kind of feels like the Jets are in a similar situation to the Knicks, where no one really wants to play for that ownership group. Yeah. Um, no coach wants to come in there and, and take the blame for a right. dysfunctional organization yeah. year after year. Yeah. So uh, lots of injuries this past weekend uh, in the NFL. Um, yeah. Big names, too. Uh, guys like Saquon Barkley yep. blew out his ACL, will miss the rest of the year. Nick Bosa for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Garoppolo went down. Yeah. So um, lots of big name injuries for this past weekend but um yeah you know we're, we're week two now the teams that are zero and two are in that sort of panic mode of we can't go and three you know sure. you look historically at teams that go zero and three and they almost never make the playoffs mm-hmm. like, so that'll be interesting to see how that develops um quick update on baseball um, baseball's coming down in the last regular regular season week here, yep. um, and then uh, the playoffs begin. I think in a bubble, uh, maybe a couple of bubbles. That's my understanding. Is there some here in the next bubble uh, action? Yeah, next couple of weeks. Um, so playoff baseball always fun. Okay, and the Mets will most likely not be participating. They'd have to win out, and so things would have to fall the right way. And okay. it's a, it's a disaster. Although the Mets got a new owner. But yes. I think we mentioned that last week, I think and so. I'm still excited about it, although he's not the most ethical person on the planet. <laughs> well, that seems to be an issue. Okay. <laughs> but we could yeah. we can do that. That's another podcast episode. Yeah. And the biggest news in the sports world, as far as I'm personally concerned, is the Big Ten is back. But they, not, not to the end of the month. Not to the end of next month. They announced they are starting their football season the weekend of October 23rd and 24th. So are they playing Friday and Saturday games? Well— I've only seen Ohio State's schedule, and I believe all their games are on Saturdays. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe there's a Friday game in there somewhere, um, but not for Ohio State. But, um, yeah, obviously thrilled about that. I, the fact that this this team that Ohio State has is a absolute legit national title contender. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but sure. they are definitely. I think once it was announced the, the Big Ten was coming back, I think the odds in Vegas shifted to now making Ohio State the favorite. Hmm. So, you know, again, you can take that for what it's worth. That's only saying they're clearly a legit national tender, national title contender. That's what there I'm saying. There you go. But um, I will say I'm a little concerned about the protocols that they're using. So, you know, they, the big thing was the medical piece and all that kind of stuff. And so um, they're going to use this new form of testing that they can test daily. And I think it's like a saliva-based one, so it's not as intrusive as maybe some of the other forms of COVID yeah, I th- testing. I think it's out of the University of Illinois. I think they've developed that. And what's, um, But what's interesting is and what's concerning to me is if you test positive, you're out three weeks. Three weeks? Three weeks before you can return to action. That feels like the most strict rules I've, I've ever heard of yes. for, for COVID. Yes. Wow. And what's not clear to me is what happens if a player— 
given the possibility of a false positive. Like, let's say a player tests positive on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Do they retest him on Wednesday? And then what happens? Like, so if he, or is that it? It's like, this is the law of the Medes and the Persians. You tested positive, three weeks done, versus maybe test the next day and realize, oh, it's a negative test today. I mean, the governor of Ohio, we all know this story, if you're paying attention, like about a month ago, tested positive for COVID. Next day, they tested him again, came back negative, didn't have it. Yeah. So that's one of the concerns I have is the, you know, you get this sort of, um, this very strict three weeks. And in a nine-week season, basically, they're going to play That's eight. a third of the season. That's yeah. a third of the season. Who made up that rule? Has it come down which university advocated for three weeks? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it— It's uh, got to be Michigan. <laughs> it's got to be Michigan. <laughs> Hoping that Justin Fields tests positive sometime in that three-week window before yeah, they toward, play. Yeah, toward the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sometime yeah. early December. <laughs> sometime early December, they're hoping Justin Fields tests positive, yeah. So in any case, it will be interesting. One funny note on that is the fact that the uh, um, so Nebraska was arguably the most vocal about we want to play along with Ohio State, but they had a group of players that sued the Big Ten, hmm. sued them to get and, and filed all these Freedom of Information Acts to get access to the decision-making process. And so um, it was uh, – going around on Twitter that uh, so when they released the Big Ten schedule Nebraska opens at Ohio State <laughs> and there was plenty nice. of joking of okay you wanted to play we'll send you on the road to the best team <laughs> in the conference and see how you feel which they don't care they just want to play I mean but in any case um, you can uh, Lord willing expect some uh, some Ohio State football discussion coming late October on oh the boy. various and sundry podcasts. Oh, so, boy. So fasten your seatbelts, get your popcorn ready. But in the meantime, we are going to move on to our main topic for today. And in our last episode, we discussed the, um, you know, what to look for in a church and talk through some of the different things that we that one should prioritize, we think, in determining where you end up going to church, where you end up committing yourself as a, as, a, as a church member. Now, this week, we decided it would be good to, to look at the flip side of that and talk a little bit about when should you leave a church? What, what circumstances might happen that would lead you to be able to honestly and legitimately and wisely choose to leave a church? Now, we're not talking about obvious things like you're leaving the area for a job or something. Sure. Well, obviously you're going to leave your church for that. But we're talking about you're not moving anywhere. You're involved in a local church. What are some things that may happen or, or indications or signs that should lead you to strongly considering and perhaps actually pulling the trigger and leaving a local church? Mm-hmm. So where do you want to kick this discussion off? Um, There's a lot of ways we can go. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe maybe start it this way. Have, have you ever left a church for, for any particular reason other than leaving the area? Yeah, yeah, I have. We uh, Really? What, what's that? I don't think I know that story. We left. So while I was in seminary, so in the Chicago area, 
we were attending a church um, that um, we initially enjoyed very much. And um, basically after, I think, let's see, I think I'd, we'd been there two years, two or three and involved in ministry yeah. and, and, and yeah, those sorts we were of involved in church. their in their uh, life education slash adult ed section of the church, and we weren't in a small group, but faithful attenders and members of the church. We had okay. actually become official members, and um, there was a um, in in our perspective a growing um, decline in the faithfulness of the preaching. And a a growing, um, I, I would say, maybe a practical uh, abandoning of the gospel in certain areas and talking about how we did discipleship and the influence of some uh, psychological models and that sort of thing. Uh, that was probably the that was arguably the main factor in us leaving the church. Hmm. And so that was, yeah, that was that was our story in in a very brief nutshell. Okay, um, and and there was another factor there too, probably in terms of we had good friends that were serving in another local church that that fit more of our theological and ministry convictions. Hmm. Um, so that was part of the picture there as well. But I'm intentionally being vague so as not to identify the name of that church or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Have you ever left a church for something other than a relocation or something like that? You know, well, I think I think that might be one of the graces of having to relocate so many times. <laughs> yeah. Growing up as we never, we my, my family never left a church mm-hmm. um, for those reasons other than relocating. Um, gotcha. Um, so yeah, the the only times I've changed churches has been when when we picked up and moved. But you know, when uh, when I when I was a child, you know, we we were in towns for three to five years max. So it's hard to become disgruntled enough to. to yeah, you're the closest thing to a military kid who never was in a military family. <laughs> yeah, that I've yeah. ever known. Yeah, you know, typically when I hear someone's like, "Yeah, we moved every two to three, four years," you're like, "Ah, you're a military kid." You know, you're. Mom or dad was in the service, and so you got re-stationed all around, and that's not your story at all. But. Yeah, my dad's an accountant that likes change, um, which <laughs> which is an odd combo, and uh, and uh, so we we moved yeah. around every three to five years. Yeah, um, or he switched jobs every three to five right. years, and we, right. we would pick up and go. Yeah, okay. So no, no, I haven't. Um, but but Doc, as you're as you're thinking through it uh, now, what? Uh, what strikes you as a plausible reason uh, to, to leave a church? Yeah, so I think that um, foundationally the, the, the key point needs to be, kind of the starting point is faithfulness to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, faithfulness to the gospel in both the sort of doctrinal Form of in terms of you know if you're you know if the pastor gets up one Sunday is like I don't know that Jesus was really God mm-hmm. okay you know that's a pretty clear departure from the gospel you know after maybe a quick conversation there it's um, let's be looking somewhere else kind of thing but um, you know sadly in in some ways I suppose uh, rarely is it that clear sure. Right, it's it's oftentimes a lot more subtle than that when it comes to uh, a departure from the gospel, 
And and even I, I would suggest that the that you can depart from the gospel not just in a doctrinal sense, but even from a sort of ministry practice sort of sense where um, you know you might have a great statement of faith on the website, mm-hmm. but in terms of how the church is actually functioning, you know you could have a very legalistic culture in a church where it's well yeah we believe the gospel but what's really important around here is not um, watching r-rated movies or um you know participating in certain forms of entertainment and that kind of thing that's really important around here that marks us off as different okay maybe that's uh, a time for you to to be considering elsewhere yeah no i think those are both good words i i think uh, there, there's a there's a construct that I that I really enjoy that I think I picked up from from uh, Tim Keller. I don't know that I absolutely did. And I don't know that he's the one that came up with it. But but uh, we have to. Be, it's, it's a fair guess. It's a fair guess when it comes <laughs> to any construct that I have. Um, but uh, but um, he talks about the difference between being a consumer versus making a covenant. Um, and I, I think at times, and I, I think this is something we have to be careful about in potentially leaving a church, right? Mm-hmm. That that um, the church does not necessarily exist for us, right? Uh, f- for our enjoyment and benefit. And, and uh, Dr. Keller says that we, we, we make covenants with churches, right? right? That's why at our church we have a membership covenant, right? Yep. Um, meaning I am in this for... Uh, not not for my own good, but for your good, right? Um, whereas consumer, he talks about it like if I find a grocery store that has better prices than the one I'm currently going to, I'm going to go to that other grocery store right. because it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but that's not the way we approach church. We approach right. church as making a covenant with it. So um, we 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 covenant to be together. Yeah. Um, through those things, and so it, it means you're putting up with a lot more um, than uh, than you would with. Than you would at a grocery store. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, that that that's a really helpful kind of uh, framework, especially as we kind of move into one of the more common reasons that people leave a church is when issues arise within the leadership of that church. Sure. And having that framework of a of we are in a covenant community, not a sort of consumer relationship, uh, helps us understand even that as we might see some deeply concerning things in a uh, in the church leadership, that they are violating the church covenant. In essence, mm-hmm. they're the ones violating the covenant relationship of, of a church that uh, warrants you to uh, consider leaving that fellowship. Mm-hmm. But what are some what are some ways that you've seen where um, or, or issues that come up within church leadership that that you think are legitimate grounds for considering leaving? Um, I, I think well, some of the ones you you've already mentioned, right? Uh, departure from preaching the gospel mm-hmm. or uh, departure from uh, living the gospel in a, in a sense was was the other point you made. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd also say uh, when it becomes clear that church leadership has become problematic and yet doesn't intend to, to move on or repent. Uh, so if there's some sort of uh, abuse that's taking place, whether it be verbal abuse, whether it be mm-hmm. uh, the battering of the members, or uh, whether it be um, uh, uh, financial 
uh, right. issues. Um, I remember um, being in a church and leaving that church because you know, you know, we moved um, right. all the time, and and hearing that the pastor of this, you know, 150, 200 person church was taking a six figure salary, yeah, um, which is very problematic. Yeah. Um, and then when when this began to circulate around the church, members would come together and just be like, well, well, what is his what what are we paying him and yeah. uh, there were the answer from the elders was he makes something similar to this profession and uh, they mm-hmm. pointed to i think it was middle school principal which was a very odd <laughs> oddly specific uh, uh but you know what that is that that's that's okay here's his salary let's google who makes about this amount of money yeah you know it's like oh perfect Middle school. Who can object to a middle school principal? Sure. You know? Yeah, but that that sort of secrecy and those sorts of things. Yeah. I and I was talking to friends down at that church who were who were thinking about leaving and, and kind of went. It, it might be worth considering at this point, right? In that scenario. Yeah, and I think that um, it's even if there's not the obvious, you know, financial issue or maybe the obvious sort of moral failing that's not addressed. Um, I still think that 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 abuse understood widely enough can can also be um, expressed in ways such as the way that the leadership exercises power. Mm-hmm. And if you can certainly, um, I think, spiritually abuse people by um, trying to constrain people's consciences to debatable areas surely on the force of a pastor's personality or preferences, you know. Sure. Um, that even just the way that a pastor can can communicate um, can at times be very coercive, mm-hmm. if not careful. And so if there's that sort of that abuse of, a, of spiritual authority in that sense, I think that's also worth... Um, you know, considering at that point if if it's time to to depart, um, I think there are some obvious ones. I think that we hinted at in terms of, you know, if there's if if there's sin that's not being addressed, uh, that's a pretty concerning thing. Even not, not necessarily just limited to the leadership. You know, so let's yeah. say for example, there's an obvious case of adultery that everybody knows about in the church, but nobody's doing anything about. There's no spiritual leadership confronting the, the person caught in sin or whatever, and it's just sort of a, well, you know, who? What's our what 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 role do we have in in interfering in their business? Like, you know, uh, well, yeah, that is your role as the pastor and this is the church leadership to confront sin and to um, to call it out and to. Um, move in the direction of uh, church discipline if necessary, if the sin is continued and unrepented of and that kind of thing. So, you know, that that would be, a, if that were to happen in a church I was a member of, that would be deeply concerning and an immediate, I need to start thinking about it, where, if we're leaving or not. Yes. On, on the same note, like avoiding confrontations is a big issue, right? Uh, not calling out. And on the uh, on the the other side of that coin would be that they call out everything um, yeah. and and want to make a big deal out of everything and right. uh, that I think that would be equally a red flag to be like 
I don't know how I feel about this. And, and, and in all this, I, th- I think we would both advocate for wisdom, right? Yeah. Um, that no two situations are exactly the same, and, and we really need to exercise wisdom, and we, we do that in community with other believers, and we prayerfully consider these things, um, as well as uh, reaching out to mentors and, and friends that are, that are removed from the situation who can speak into it from a third-party perspective, I, I think are always helpful things. Right. And I do think that it's um, we should stress that uh, that leaving, in many respects, should be an act of last resort, and that it should be the kind of the last step in the process. Mm-hmm. It should not be a, oh well. Here's my quick reaction to this thing that I think happened. I'm out of here. You know. Sure. That, that at a minimum, there needs to be a. I should try to understand the situation as best I can, including reaching out to the church leadership and saying, okay, here's my perception. Help me understand this. This is concerning to me. And trying to have that kind of conversation before you're just like, I'm out of here. I don't want to mess with this kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Reconciliation has to be at the top of our list. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, but particularly if you're in a small town like ours and are going to see those those people around town, <laughs> right, right, yeah, and and that does create a bit of a challenge, um, in a, anywhere really where there's multiple churches. But when you've got these situations where uh, it's when there are, are multiple options, and if you're just like, well, I'll just jump ship to this next church where, yeah, you know, it's Seems like there's a little less, you know. If you have a, if your if your threshold is, I don't like drama, and you're just like, okay, well, this church has some drama, you know. Not that's not a biblical category, by the way. <laughs> but what? <laughs> but uh, you know, that church over there seems to have less drama, so I'm just going over there. I don't want to, you know, like th- there are proper places for church discipline and the way to do it. And so you just like oh. that that can strike some people as, whoa. They're exercising church discipline, like they're they're calling someone to repent, and they haven't. And they're kicking them out of the church. How awful is that? Well, actually, that's a very biblical thing if it's done biblically. Sure, like there are biblical ways to do that and biblical grounds for doing that. That you should actually, in some sense, celebrate. Not that you're excited that somebody is yeah. is getting kicked out of the church, but. It, it should be an encouragement to you that, that, that the church is taking seriously its role to exercise spiritual um, care, and it is a form of care, for someone who has wandered off into sin and refuses to turn away from it, that the church is like, um, yeah, we, we need you to know about this, and we need you to join in praying with us and calling them to come back, to come home to Christ. And it does require churches to work together, right? Yeah. Um, in this sort of uh, consumer model where people are like, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to this church for a time and then move on to this church. If there yeah. is discipline, they can yeah. hop to another church in town. And I, I think it requires those elders to work together um, on those things. Right. And that is where I think churches need to do their due diligence that if you have someone who is new to your church and they're like, yeah, I want to become a member here, I want that making sure that they left their previous church on good terms. Sure. You know, that it wasn't, oh, you left because you committed adultery and the church tried to um, confront you on that and pursue reconciliation and call you to repentance and you didn't like that, so you left. 
no, you shouldn't be a member here. But some of this is verging into discussion of membership, which is a whole other topic. And it, I mean, it's very related. But in any case, let's kind of wrap up this segment by talking about how do you leave a church? So let's say you've come to the settled conviction, we need to leave, I need to leave. Mm-hmm. That whatever the issues involved in the church, they rise to the level of this is not this is not a place for me to, to remain. Uh, what what are some things that we need to make sure that we think about in terms of process to leave a church? Yeah, I, I think uh, make sure that you don't just disappear in the night. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you uh, you go to the you go to the elders, you go to the leadership, and you, you have a conversation about why you're leaving or about why you're thinking about leaving and and what would have to change in order for you to remain um, a part of that church. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good first step and and could lead to just like, oh, we didn't realize this was going on and and lead to reconciliation or perhaps they have more information that you didn't have and and are able to right. provide that for you. Yeah. Yeah, just a uh, a side note back to the story I told earlier in the episode. Um, when we left uh that, that church, we wrote a long letter to the elder team just mm-hmm. saying, here was our experience. Here's ultimately why we're leaving. And to their credit, one of the pastors followed up and contacted us and said, you know, if you would you like to talk more about this? And, and but it was interesting. What he said was, we're so appreciative that you did this because almost nobody does this anymore. Hmm. They just leave. They just disappear, and it's, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? And like, oh, they haven't attended here for six months, yeah. nine months. And obviously the bigger the church, the more challenging it is to keep track of sure. people coming in and out. But um, So I do think you have to, at some level, communicate your concerns to the leadership and have that conversation. Um, I think a second piece is, where possible, look for where you need to pursue reconciliation. You know, mm-hmm. um, that may not always be possible, but certainly something we should prioritize. And then, um, I think leave graciously. You know, some people go out and decide I'm gonna I'm gonna leave a a a path a trail of of bodies everywhere I go on my way out of here. Uh, yeah. Or try to like be grabbing people as I go and yeah. and, and all sorts of stuff. Not a good idea. <laughs> no, no. And um, I think you know there there are ways, and this gets into into the and one of the other points here is um, have an answer ready. There are ways to communicate why you're leaving that are still gracious mm-hmm. and that are still honoring without without being dishonest either. You know. Going out in a in a blaze of just uh, trashing the pastors, trashing the elders, uh, just doesn't um, it, it doesn't reflect well on you. It's not mm-hmm. godly. Um, you know, there there are ways to communicate. I, I I'm deeply concerned about uh, the ways that power and authority are exercised in this church, and and I've made those concerns known, and they um, didn't seem to want to talk about that. So. My family and I are moving on. You know, that's one thing, you know. You you can say that in a very different way that is, uh, you know, leaving, you know, dropping nuclear bombs everywhere kind of thing. Sure. And then then I think finally once you leave, 
leave. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to be clear, that doesn't mean you cut off contact with the people in that church. Like, in other words, just because you leave a church doesn't mean you're like, well, I can't talk to that person who, go, who goes to that church anymore. Well, no. You know, you see them in Walmart. You see them in the grocery store. If they're your neighbor, yeah, chat them up. Talk with them. Like, that doesn't mean that friendships that, are, that were built within that church have to end mm-hmm. just because you have left that church and moved on to another one. So I think those are some pieces to consider. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it also means like probably not going back for the annual potluck or, you know, <laughs> what, what, whatever's uh, going on at that church. I think, I think it means making a, make it a clean break. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, any, any resources you would recommend, Doc? Yeah, we'll put these in the show notes. Um, but there's a couple of different uh, resources um, Kevin DeYoung has a nice article on how to leave a church, just covering some of the things that we talked about there. And then um, I think all these resources I've got tagged here are from Gospel Coalition articles or videos. That top one there on our list, John, is actually, I think Sam Alberry is part of that video. That's, Love Sam Alberry. I know you're a big Sam yeah. Alberry fan. So, um, But yeah, we'll, we'll post those and just things to think about. And again, I think, John, your point earlier about uh, this being oftentimes a category of wisdom issue mm-hmm. more so i mean honestly of course there can be some very obvious like oh yeah well that's a no-brainer there's no wisdom needed sure there. that's a direct it's black and white yeah but oftentimes yeah. it's not going to be that simple well i and i think this is a broader point but i think 80 percent of life is probably needing wisdom and it isn't black and white yeah right it's certainly up there so well you can check out those um episode uh, those uh resources here so um, on to our athlete, John, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, why don't I walk through them real quick, and you can yeah. explain the ones that I don't know who they are. Um, <laughs> our first athlete, I know this one, uh, Kurt Schilling, yeah. uh, uh, famous conservative pitcher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way of describing it. Um, okay. For, uh, for the Diamondbacks, Red Sox, uh, the bloody sock game is what he's known for, whether it was faked or whether it was real, who knows. Um, uh, George, uh, George Rogers, uh, who was a running back for the Saints, apparently, yeah, back in the day. I think 70s, maybe into the 80s. That's about it in okay. terms of what I know about him. And do you want to break down a couple? And those are that's all we have. Yeah, thirty-eight is. Uh, we're getting into thin, some thin numbers here. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're we're in for that for the next couple here. Um, we do have uh, two Ohio State nominees, a guy named Champ Henson. How's that for a name? I like Champ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a fullback in the uh, in seventy-two to seventy-four. Yeah. So right around the time I was born. So I have no actual memories of him. And then more recently, Austin Spitler was a linebacker. Great name. Spitler. Spitler's a good linebacker mm-hmm. name. Uh, from 2005 to 2009, I'd say he was a good, not great college mm. football player. Like n- nothing that stood out to you a lot, but a very serviceable. Is he a practice squad guy in the pros, you think? or Maybe. I, I'm not sure he even went teamer. on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, I— I don't know how much of a, a debate there is on this one, John. I don't, I don't think so. I think our conservative pundit pitcher um, will will get the nod. <laughs> yeah, he, he's uh, he he's always he was always a big personality. He's verbose, absolutely. And so um, during his playing days, he was that way. And I think it was a bit of a shock to people that once his playing days were over, 
that he started off as a baseball sort of commentator Mm -hmm. and analyst and that sort of stuff, but then got into the political realm and became a very vocal conservative. Um, Got fired from ESPN over it. Yes, yes. So um, with with all of that said, I think he is our obvious pick for number 38. Yeah, I think so. Okay, Kurt Schilling it is. Based on his playing career. Yes, Yes. I mean, the bloody sock. (laughs) The bloody sock, yeah. But even, I mean, he was was an elite, an all-time great kind of pitcher in the postseason. He was Mm -hmm. dominant in the postseason. And I think he had a season where he had more wins than walks, uh, which is— Amazing. Yeah, hard to hard to wrap our brains around that. But so that's our athlete there. So on to one thing we liked. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I, I can go first. Okay. I changed mine uh, since the beginning of the episode, which happens more <laughs> often than not. Um, I've become a big fan recently in the past few weeks of The Dispatch, uh, which is a, a new uh, newer news source that's come out. Um, it is uh, based on uh, some... Uh, fact-based conservative news is what it, what it's called, and mm-hmm. they send out uh, newsletters, regular newsletters. Um, How often are we talking here? Weekly? Um, so they have four or five staff writers who send out different newsletters on different days. Okay. Some of those are free days. Some of those you have to pay for. Um, they do have two or three podcasts that are very popular. Uh, this is where David French works, Jonah Goldberg, okay. some of those guys. Um, yep. I, and David French has a free newsletter every Sunday morning. Uh, but the podcasts are always free. And I've I've found their opinions and breakdowns helpful. Okay. Uh, David French, um, in his podcast, The Advisory Opinions, uh, he used to be a Yale or a Cornell Law uh, professor. And so he's he's got an interesting conservative perspective on mm-hmm. the law and helps break things down nicely for you. Mm-hmm. So the dispatch. So basically anything from them at the moment. Gotcha. Seems, I'm seems glad you really clarified great. that because our Columbus listeners, uh, the, the main newspaper in the Columbus, Ohio is the, area the Columbus, is the Columbus Dispatch. Yeah. And so when you say the dispatch, they would naturally think their newspaper. So it's good to clarify no, I, you're yes, not yes. talking about I'm not that. talking about okay. that, no. Yeah. So my one thing I liked is um, – this past week, I received my author's copies of my latest book, Rebels and Exiles. So that's always a fun moment. The box yeah. arrives, and you open it up, and you finally actually see it in print and hold the finished product in it, your hands. And they did, they did a nice job. It looks it's nice. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. It's well-designed. And so— um, And where can they pre-order that? Uh, this little company called Amazon.com. Have you heard of this? Um, Amazon.com? No, Amazon. Amazon. Oh, like the rainforest. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Small little company. Um, they, you know, they, they sell a few things here and there, and mm-hmm. so you can pre-order it there. My guess is is that even though it says it won't ship until October 27th of this year, I think since I got my author's copies. You think it's, they're ahead of schedule I there. think they're probably a little ahead of schedule. Okay. So. In any case, what a weird episode technically behind the scenes. I don't know if our listeners have picked up on this, but we had the uh, the worship arts studio going below us. Yeah, I don't know if they heard the drums yeah, or not. Yeah, we had a little segment where we got our radio station interference. Oh, we did? Yeah, just a little bit. Mm. So, And then we also had um, just some weird things going on with the microphones, I think, little little staticky at points. So, oh, really? Yeah. I don't have the headphones in, yeah. so I just don't know. Yeah, so... In any case, um, I'm ready to call mission accomplished if you are. Sure, sure. Yeah, we'll see if we have to re-record. 
<laughs> Lord help us, I hope not. I hope not. But We'll probably just go forward with it anyway. Yeah, know? I'm sure we will. We have pretty forbearing listeners, I think. Mm-hmm. So they can handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mission accomplished. We've covered our various and sundry topics. We've talked sports. We've talked when to leave a church. We've talked about Kurt Schilling and the Bloody Sock. We've talked about John Sloat's conservative news source. And we've talked about my latest book now, almost available for public consumption. So, yeah, I think all that's left to say is the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.